Amen. Praise the Lord. So um, in between services, I asked him where the manger was because they used this as a prop last, last yesterday at the performance. And I thought, well, you know, why don't we just go ahead and have the manger up, up here as well. And I didn't think about how upstaged I might feel having Jesus laying right down in front of me. But, uh, you know, um, that's okay because Christmas this year is so much different and has been for the last couple of years as compared to what it has been in years past. And Christmas in years past was so much different. I mean, I wish that the kids could even stay in here with us so I could explain to them what Christmas used to be like in, in the good old days. Now, I know that your house kind of looks like Christmas in Las Vegas, but when I was growing up, nothing was pre-lit. There was no such thing as LCDs, and uh, my family, uh, we were pioneers back in the day because my parents had an all-aluminum Christmas tree. And it was actually just this thinly cut tinsel, kind of like shiny pine needles on the branches. And they call this type of thing vintage today. And there was this one light bulb that was on the floor, and it had this revolving color wheel. And so your aluminum Christmas tree was alternately lit, red, green, yellow, and blue, as the wheel turned in front of the light bulb. You can't, you can't hardly get any more analog than that. And there was no Amazon back then. You shopped at Katz and Milgram and TG&Y. Uh, but if there had been Amazon, then I think the reviews would have read something like this. The revolving color wheel will spin itself right off the grooves and, and fall off on the floor. After leaving it on for maybe two or three minutes, the small motor which turns the wheel emits a weird screeching noise and starts jerking the wheel in spasms of impending death. And to top it off, my return window on this abomination expired the end of November before I even put up my tree. Extremely disappointed, it's crappy. Here's another one. OMG, it looks like a police interrogation. Or the bat signal. Not cool way to light a tree. Nothing like the one I remember. Oh yeah, the wheel falls off and gets really, really hot. Too bad I have to give it even one star. There should be a more appropriate symbol to award. And that was, that was kind of, in my family, I know you may have grown up different, but in my family that was pretty much the depth of our spirituality as I was growing up. And the, only, the one and only closely sacred experience was a Charlie Brown Christmas. Because there's just something about a kid who is prematurely bold that makes you really connect with him on a heart level. And the creator, Charles Schultz, was this genius at revealing all of our hidden issues. Because my teacher always sounded just like Charlie Brown's teachers. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, 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 wah. And, and, you know, at one, one, at one point in the show, though, so they've had all this fight. They had this big, all this fighting, all this conflict over the tree that Charlie Brown had chosen, which ends up 
losing its remaining needles as soon as they get it back and start showing it some love. So all of a sudden, Linus gets up on stage. He drops his security blanket. He opens up the Bible, and he reads these words. So I'd like you to stand with me right now and turn to Luke chapter 2. Let's uh, get close with someone, and let's just share this together. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David." to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And, it, and, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Bump elbows with your neighbor. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I come before you this Sunday before Christmas. And Lord, you know, I try to do a good job. I mean, I want to preach well every Sunday. I don't want there to be even one single Sunday that someone who's a member here, someone out of our congregation, could not feel they could invite someone to church and hear something compelling out of the Word of God that just draws them right into God's own story for them. And so, Father, I pray today, help me make it clear. Help me focus on Christ and Him crucified and make plain the way, the path to eternal life, which is through Jesus and and the grace of God in him. So I ask it today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. You May be seated in the Lord's presence. You know, if you have never heard that passage before, 
you can just sense that something transcendent is being said. And, oh, make sure, you know, really, it, it kind of makes you question and wonder. I mean, is all this real? I mean, it doesn't sound like typical mythology. It doesn't sound anywhere like a fable. I mean, I read fables, but this is not that. There's, there's too much detail and texture to this. I wonder if it could be real. You know, I think that confusion can be magnified this year with the diminishing of Delta and with the surge of Omicron. I mean, one of the things that you notice if you travel abroad is that stoplights are configured differently. And so some are horizontal instead of being vertical. And, and in America, the yellow light tells you that a red light is coming. But in some countries that I have been in, a yellow light will tell you that the green light is coming. And, and I suppose that is the pinnacle of impatience. I mean, it's like you, you just got to know when it's almost time for you to go. And, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel, but for me, I don't, I don't need to know uh, when to start. I mean, I kind of know when to start. I'm already with being ready when to start. But I have to admit, I need the yellow to let me know that the red is coming. So I'm out here living life in the green. But the yellow brings a heightened awareness that things are about to change. Red is easy because you're stopped. I mean, that's when you can check your makeup and your iPhone and, you know, other essential things that you must do at the stoplight. And green is easy, but yellow is different. And red can be distressing, but at least we know when nothing is happening in our life. The green is good because that means we're going and we're growing. But the yellow, the yellow is what we are unclear about. And for the last two years, we have been living life in the yellow. Only this time, it was like in a lot of other countries, because it was a yellow after a complete stop when the nation was shut down. And so, unfortunately, it is life in an extraordinary yellow, an uncertain time, unclear about when it is going to turn green again. And I think it begs us to be aware of what is happening here in Luke chapter 2 and redirect our life now accordingly. Look with me again at verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, the very first emperor of the Roman Empire, that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing, and I know all taxes are taxing, but this was a taxing taxing, was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. You know, most movies kind of start at the climax or the crisis of the story, and then they rewind the story back to show you how the hero and the heroine get to that spot. But this story, it starts at a dead stop. I mean, could you have a more innocuous, could you have a more boring sentence if you were to lift it out of, the con out of its context? Could this sentence be even more boring? I mean, so what? Another empire, another kingdom, another emperor, 
using his colonial imperial power and his greed to manipulate people and to control economies. I mean, really, it's a declaration of the indifference that the old Romans had for others and the passion that they had for money. I mean, it's all about who is exactly out there and what exactly do they have and how much of it can, uh, can we take. And the reason it is about mandates and passports today is because that is what brings it full circle in 20 centuries, from the 1st to the 21st, so that you can know how close we are to this being the last Christmas. They did not care if you were pregnant. It did not matter that it was not a good time to travel. You can be inconvenienced so that an emperor who thinks he is God can get more of your stuff. And you know, that's the real irony. That here this guy who thinks he is God cannot provide for himself. I mean, that's crazy. And this was a taxation, it wasn't a census. I know a lot of modern translations read that way, but historically and textually, it's just incorrect. It was a taxation, because in Rome, in the Roman Empire, a census took place once every 14 years. Here in America, it takes place once every 10 years. But taxing takes place with every one of your paychecks and every purchase you make. And our problem is we expect God to work today outside of the, of the ordinary, everyday us. And somehow God is supposed to arrive, but really outside of our history, outside of our space-time, outside of this reality. And so my thesis for today's study is this. The wonderful thing about Jesus is that both comings... Both comings will be to the exact times that we are living in at this moment. And I hope your hand shakes as you fill in that blank. Because it is not mythology, it is not just a fable. What is happening here in Luke happened in real time and happened in real life. This is not just any Caesar. This is the very first emperor, Augustus, who is over the empire, which included their province, many other colonies, and other nations. So they are in a place which would seem to be an obstacle on every level, not just the, not just the empire-wide level, but, you know... Serenius was governor of Syria on that level. On every level, there is an obstacle to God accomplishing his purpose. Just like today, it seems like on every level, there's an obstacle to God accomplishing his purpose through your life. I mean, if you voted for Clinton, isn't that what you thought about Trump? And if you voted for Trump, isn't that what you think about Biden? And I mean, there's no way that God would have me work for him where I am at because there is no way God would want me to be under that leader, under that administration, under that boss, under that policy, under the way they do things. And so here are slaves ruled by the Roman Empire being made to return back to their ancestral hometowns at their own expense. 
And at the most inconvenient time, especially for Mary, because she was so close to her due dates. And you know that that made this a difficult time for Joseph as well. But she's saying, haven't you known about this for months? I mean, why didn't you go handle up on this when you were thinking about divorcing me during our espousal? I mean, what do you mean I've got to get on that donkey right now? But isn't that why you've missed God until today? Are you looking under the wrong light? And the only reason that these first three verses are important to us is because they are connected to something else. They are connected to what God is doing. I think we lose so much because we know this story so well and we know that little baby Jesus just glows and Mary has a halo around her head and those gift boxes of the Magi were also shiny. And so we've got a tinsel manger with a rotating color wheel. But, you know, Joseph was just a carpenter. And Mary is pregnant before getting married. And every detail is driving this story down to the level of your life. Now, I will admit, shepherds got a huge upgrade whenever they got included. Uh, Because before that, people are not talking about shepherds in warm and inviting terms. Nobody put shepherds up on their mantle prior to this. And you know, magi, they use divination. God did not speak directly to the Gentiles. He didn't do it. I mean, he might speak to a king through a dream, but not directly. And still, he'd have to go get a Jew to interpret his dream for him because God was speaking to the Jews through the word of God. They were supposed to distribute that to the nations. So God wasn't speaking to Gentiles. So what did they do? They used astrology to try and hear his echo from the cosmos. And do you know why God spoke to these magi through astrology? Because that is where they were looking. I mean, that is the amazing grace of God. Are you that gracious with people? You know a lot of people who are looking a lot of places that either they should not look, or it's not going to do them any good looking there. Are you speaking to them openly to show them God's better intention for them? So they get to Bethlehem. There's no place to stay. So uh, they go out and sleep in the barn, and uh, I I think that would really connect us to the reality, but uh, what would even be better is if we had a scratch-and-sniff manger scene. Uh, Sheep are very cute from a distance, and I love horses or donkeys, but have you ever had to clean up after one? I mean, somebody's got to, they do not clean up their own mess, and they can kind of make a big mess. So you ought to go with us to Israel next November, assuming we can take our Living Faith Bible Institute and Living Faith Fellowship trip again. You could even take it for credit if you were to go with us. And, 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 and you will see Bethlehem. And what you will see in Bethlehem are the three competing denominations, Catholic, Armenian, and Orthodox. And you will see the spot to which they attribute sacredness which was actually just a common, lowly spot in the country. 
surrounded by unimpressive people like her there today and like her around us here in Blue Springs and trying to make it through the, they were trying to make it through the longest line in the world at the DMV. So it was a mandate that placed life out of their control, and at that moment, it feels like God cannot have any control over your life because you are too easily ruled by the whims of others. Overnight, you can find yourself unemployed. And every day, you, you realize your net worth is determined by somebody other than you. I mean, I don't know where your net worth resides. Maybe it's in real estate. Okay, well, that's kind of going to be determined by somebody other than you. Maybe it's a stock market and your retirement and so forth. Okay, that's, that's kind of determined by, I don't know who it's determined by, but somebody other than us. And all of us struggle with the reality of the Bible. We look at it and say, you know, 20 centuries have gone by. And, you know, in the, uh, the book of Acts tells us that initially there were more than 500 believers who saw Jesus after he had risen from the dead. So that first generation was good. And, you know, for the first generation or two, that was great. And then everything starts deteriorating and slipping away. And, you know, we end up no better. I mean, absolutely no better than the generation after Joshua. And Joshua leads Israel into the promised land, uh, you know, and they go in there. And, and the Bible tells us everything was good in Joshua's generation and those who followed him, who were with him. It was third or fourth generation down the line. They started slipping and going into idolatry. It's like, you know, is the Bible even real? Everything it's saying to us, is this really, you know, is that really even correct? I mean, either I view it believingly, and I understand, I can see God's hand in history operating through the Holy Spirit to take all these disparate epistles and books from every place, put them in one spot and say, this is it. This is the Word of God. This is Holy Bible. This is sacred. Or I view it skeptically and I start tearing that all back apart, despite how it comes down to us today. So, here they are, struggling with the reality of what is happening. Not quite, you know, after 400 years since the last writing prophet, Malachi, they're trying to figure out, you know, was any of it really correct? And we're afraid, I think, of how common and ordinary the words are. And, 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 and can something uncommon and noble happen through a common King James Bible? And yet, and this is our first point for study, it is God, the Spirit of God, and the Word of God which make things holy. It is not we, it is not us who make sacred space for Him. Why are we so reluctant to bring him the mess of our lives. Like we think we're going to make ourselves holy enough to approach him. Ain't going to happen. No, no, no way. No way, Jose, impossible. Possible. I mean, this just ain't happening, Captain. God has been planning from the beginning of time. And yet, you know what? He didn't even make reservations at Holiday Inn in Bethlehem. Fly canceled, not enough workers, supply chain issues. God kept driving them down to exactly where we are at today. Because God is comfortable coming to you right where you're sitting, 
right in a yellow light time. Shepherds were social outcasts. Maybe you feel that way. Magi were searching in the wrong place for the wrong gods. A carpenter becoming the mentor of the Son of God. A teenage girl getting entrusted with raising the Messiah. I mean, God can step into your common this week to make it uncommon. And so this doesn't have to be an every year Christmas. God can take your every year Christmas and make it eternal. But this is yellow, not red, because some uncommon things did happen. Watch, verse 9, look at verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, on the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone round about the shepherds. And now that they're surrounded, they were sore afraid. Okay, that would be uncommon, like kind of extraordinary even, verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. I bring you a gospel. That's what the word gospel means, and that's what the words good tidings translate is the word gospel. I bring you a gospel of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now that's a revelation, not just for the Jews. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this moment in all of history, right now, something is happening which affects God's purpose for eternity for all humanity. So I don't know how you look at it. I mean, maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're frustrated on a personal level with everything going on or political level or whatever else. You need to leave here recognizing today there are things happening in our society, in our lives And they are there because God designs them to affect our purpose for eternity. And how we can get his purpose for eternity into the rest of humanity. Verse 12, and this shall be a sign unto you. Okay, stop right there and think, think through this with me for a second. So God himself is choosing to become human. I know Muslims can't accept that, and others can't, you know, none of the cult groups, not the community of Christ, i.e. Mormons, not, uh, not, not Jehovah's Witnesses, none of them can accept that idea that, the, that God is so much God that he can actually become the creature. And the infinite God, as one hymn writer said it, is contracted to a span there in that manger. And the infinite God becomes personal to us through the struggle of an infant being born. And God is doing something eternal in time and taking the common and making it priceless and taking the everyday and making a singularity, as Stephen Hawking would say. What is going to be the sign so that everybody else will know? Verse 12. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And I can just hear all the shepherds saying, huh, really? I mean, I think I've seen a baby wrapped in cloth before. Uh, maybe not in the death wrappings of a corpse, which is what a swaddling clothes are. You know, I typically see them wrapped up in, in a blanket. But if you're so poor, you don't have a blanket. All right, I guess you use what you got. 
And I've seen a baby on a bed before, but not in a feeding trough for animals. And I took this picture last time we went to Israel. And one of the sites that we went to and some of the archaeological sites and stuff they had put out that they had dug from the first century. I think it might have been a first century synagogue or someplace like that. And, and they had dug out a manger, the feeding trough for animals. That was the manger, which except for a few dimensions, I mean, that is so much, so very similar to the bone boxes that bodies were put in. Because they didn't use wooden coffins like we have today. I mean, I mean it's obvious. He was, he was born to die. And, 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 and this is so hard to believe, verse 13, that suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I mean, what a contradiction. Here is this overwhelming angelic moment, and they are not the sign. And here is this declaration of world peace at last. But that is not the sign. I mean, we live in this misapprehension of what God is doing. And for so many of us today, with so many things that have been happening and so much tragedy we may have been through, what we do is we ask the question, God, why? God, why did you allow this? When instead, we ought to be making the statement, God, that. God did this. God allowed that. And so the real question is not, God, why did you allow this? But God, why am I not serving you? Why would, you know, why would I want to end my life with all this regret? Not, not just the regret of things I did wrong and the sins and the, you know, the ways I hurt people and hurt myself and not just regret over this or that or, you know, I had, I did this thing, you know, not just that regret, but regret that it was all wasted. I wasted my life. I am now at the end of my life on a ventilator, whatever. And saying, man, why didn't I spend the last 20 years serving Jesus? Why didn't I spend the last five years getting the gospel out and, you know, just walking through those open doors that God would open with, with you know, and discussing things and relationships with somebody? Why didn't I spend the last few years discipling someone so that I don't have that regret of a wasted life? So, in actuality... It is not that, that, you know, we look at it like when God's doing something, it's less and less of our involvement. No, your lack of involvement can prevent the God of the universe from doing something. Because that is how he chooses to relate to you. So in reality, and this is our second point for study, the more involved, the more on your knees and in the word of God daily, the more involved in ministry service you are, then the closer you keep getting to God. Can you imagine God being one day old? I mean, I can see Jesus being God, 
the day that he rose from the dead. I can see Jesus being God when he's out walking on the water coming, coming to my boat. I can see Jesus being God when he's healing all their diseases and casting out all their devils. I can see Jesus being God when he's calling Lazarus out of the grave after being dead four days. And I will see Jesus being God at his second coming in power and great glory. But do you see Jesus being God with you right now? COVID was red, and then it was green, and now it's Omicron, and that kind of makes us yellow. Can you see God being in your present Christmas? Can he trust you with the eternal future of human souls that you know? Does he find you trustworthy? I mean, it was a dangerous world out there. After all, they did have to flee to Egypt because Herod killed 300 innocent baby boys just to try and find and kill Jesus. And yet God trusted himself as a helpless infant to Mary and Joseph. And you know what? I think that his guardian angels never had so little to do. I mean, they did tell Joseph where to go and when to go because the threat was coming from Herod, but that was it. Otherwise, I mean, they stayed out of the way. There wasn't anything else for them to do. Joseph and Mary were doing such a good job. Do you keep missing Jesus because you fail to see him in your redeemed humanity? Here's your assignment this Christmas so you don't miss Jesus. Instead of looking for the proof of God in your circumstances, why don't you become the proof of God to other people? Instead of asking why God, remember that God and then ask, why ain't I? I mean, it's so easy for us as adults. You know, I talked yesterday to the group at the end of the performance that the kids had done and I said you know the biggest thing is your presence being here that's what creates a a um, valid memory for them I mean I don't want I mean I mean it's okay magic Christmas tree Uh, okay that can be a memory of what I I mean I'm just saying I'm I'm not don't think I'm a Grinch if I say that I think that's okay well that's kind of a vanity vain memory You know, what I want is what God gives us as adults every fifth Sunday. Because every fifth Sunday we have the Lord's Supper. And you know what God does for us? He makes us interactive into the story. He brings us into the story by making us physically interactive in what was going on. And thereby we get transported 20 centuries to 20 centuries ago with earth's earliest disciples the very first time that they did it. And that's what the kids did yesterday with the program they put on. We, we, you know, there are a lot of things you can do in a lot of churches at Christmas time, but we want to make our children interactive with the story. We want to do that again this Easter because that is the type of memory that we need to instill in them. Step into the everyday and make it eternal for somebody else. 
Because when we live our lives with Jesus' presence, when we walk in his spirit, we become proof of God among us and God right here when we meet together. And that's why it becomes so important for you to invite someone to come with you. Because on any given Sunday, they are going to hear the gospel. They're going to see God among us. You know, people sell, make money selling a lot of t-shirts that uh, sweatshirts and hoodies and other things that say no fear or no regrets. And you know what? Both of those phrases mean nothing except in the context of your Christianity and your eternity. Or you can say no fear about a lot of things, but you ought not have fear in being bold about your faith. And you can say no regrets, I'm just, I'm just going to do it, and then I'm, not gonna, I'm never going to reflect on it, I'm not going to learn anything from it, I'm just going to do it, whatever the outcome, whatever the consequence, no regrets. Well, that's pretty stupid. Live your life starting now, so that at the end of your life, you do not regret having wasted it. Because God has no problem being present at an imperfect place, under imperfect circumstances, with imperfect people. And if that was the case then, how about with you right now? Are we only going to see you at Christmas? Maybe Easter? You know, we ought to see you Air Sunday, the first day of the week. I'm not saying you you have to be here every time the doors are open, but certainly every Sunday where we celebrate his resurrection from the dead, can you imagine how different your life would be a year from now if you were here the next 52 Sundays, the next 52 weeks between now and then? Every head bowed, every eye closed. In Christ, God gives you forgiveness. In Christ, God's grace gives you eternal life. Some churches are all about the tinsel and colored lights. And we want to be somewhat about that too because we want you to enjoy those things here. But at the bottom line, to eliminate all controversy and all argument over all that type of stuff, at some point you've got to let Linus get up and you've got to become Linus and you've got to step up on stage and you've got to drop your security blanket and you've got to tell the history of Jesus. The angels announced it after all. He will be called Savior because you are lost in your sins. He is Christ the Lord because the one God anointed to be your master is him. Do you know him? I mean, I wish I could do it like S.M. Lockridge. Do you know him? Today, you could leave here saved by the Savior that God sent in Luke chapter 2. And all you have to do is pray and say, Jesus, I trust you today for eternal life. I mean, your head's bowed, your eyes are closed anyway. Just pray. God, I repent because I want to be converted because the direction I'm going is not going to take me any place. So God, I, I pray, Lord, Jesus, you yourself has said, you are the way, the truth, and the life. 
I believe you are the way. I'm going to start on that path right now. I do that because of the truth that is shared with me this morning. Because that is the only way to get everlasting life. So today I believe and I place the full weight of my faith in you. In complete trust in you to save me. And I see now you were born to die. And not just to We all are born to die if you don't come back. But you were born to die for me and be such a sufficient payment for the sins of the world that you came back from the grave and you invite me into the same life that you had being raised from the grave. And you do that because you love me. And I rest in that today and in nothing else. So Jesus, I give you my life. So make me born again right now. I trust you to put me in Christ and the Holy Spirit in me. And you know, that's not the end of the conversation God wants to have with you today, which is why we are a disciple-making church. But this is the one and only place to start. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So if you prayed that today, And I'm going to encourage you, when we get done, we're not going to sing. We're just going to give you time to fellowship together and spend some time talking and saying hi and wishing each other Merry Christmas. But if if you prayed like that today, come up and meet me or one of our altar counselors here at the front because I want to give you a book that I've written that will show you the next steps in the Christian life. Go ahead and stand and let's get ready to pray. This is the Sunday right before Christmas, and so I want to make sure that you know and you understand that we have two free gifts for you, for everyone here in attendance, Uh, two free gifts for you today. Number one, Right Now Media. Now, we did this last year, so we renewed the subscription this year because Right Now Media is kind of like the uh, the Christian Netflix and substitute for Netflix. So once you finally get tired of all the vain, wasted time on Netflix, check out Right Now Media. Now, I don't endorse every teacher and every teaching on Right Now Media. But you know what? Uh, Our sermons are up on Right Now Media. I kind of endorse that. And Tony Evans is on Right Now Media. I kind of endorse Tony Evans. I mean, they got some really good stuff, much better than what you're going to get on Netflix, I'm just saying. But the second thing, and we just added this this year, I mean, we paid five grand to get, get these things and give you this, this Christmas gift, which lasts for the entire year. And the second thing is a Ramsey Plus. So this is Financial Peace University. Dave Ramsey, uh, Ramsey Plus for 2022 costs you nothing, but the way to sign on and register and get that for you are the bit.ly links that are on either side of this that was in your um, Uh, in your stuff today, and just uh, uh, Merry Christmas. We want to make sure that you have something that just doesn't just make you bigger, but, you know, makes you bigger. I mean, doesn't just make you grow uh, in terms of your waist size, but makes you grow uh, spiritually in terms of your life with Christ. And, uh, you know, uh, download our revamped app. Because our app has sermon notes, it now has Blue Letter Bible, it's got connection cards, it's got a way you can submit prayer requests, so download our new app. This Wednesday night, 
Uh, so today, our, our Harvest Kids got up and led us in praise. And Wednesday night, our youth, the upper room, is going to lead us in a candlelight service. So our Christmas candlelight service this Wednesday night, 7 p.m., and I look forward to seeing you again then. Next Sunday is the Sunday after Christmas, so it's got to kind of be our New Year's sermon um, because Sunday after that, Mission Focus starts. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that next Sunday we see how to live in the light of God's call in 2022. Let's walk the path so that we can be God's people. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for this time in your word. I thank you for this Sunday, this first day of the week. Lord, we celebrate what you did in dying for our sins and then raising from the dead, offering us the same eternal life you came out of the grave with. I mean, that is good news. That's why we call it the gospel. I pray, Lord, for anyone here who has not yet heard that good news and believed it themselves and put their own faith and their own trust in Jesus for eternal life, that they would do it today. And then, Lord, us being reminded of this Christmas story and the time they were living and how we are in exactly the same time 2,000 years later. Lord, use us being reminded of the gospel terms to simply take our testimony of what Jesus has done with us, mix it with the terms of the gospel, and Lord, I pray, may, may we all see someone who gets saved, even this Christmas holiday, this Christmas and New Year's, because of what you've shared with us today and what we've seen in your word. We ask it, Lord, not because we're worthy, but because Jesus, who died to produce it, he is worthy, he's worthy of our faith, And our faithfulness, he is worthy of our trustworthiness with that truth. So, Lord, make us trustworthy. We ask it in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen.